0: an offense form an offense four minutes an offense form an offense
1: everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County the state of Arizona and the world you get in four minutes we start things off in Tempe Arizona Go! the run is over coyotes lose their winning streak getting destroyed by Florida four to one. It's tied one-to-one in the third, thanks to an amazing steal, counterattacked, and shorthanded goal from Alexander Kerfoot. But that was it. Panthers dominate the rest of the third. Liam O'Brien takes a terrible high-sticking penalty, gets a game misconduct. Then the Panthers not only score on that power play, but a couple minutes later, they basically score an own goal that's accredited to, to Kachuk. I mean, the Coyotes scored the own goal to make it 3-1. Panthers put in the empty netter, make it 4-1. It was ugly. Here's head coach Andre Turini.
0: We were in it after two, obviously, not just by the score, by the way we played, scoring, the chance, shot, everything. I think in the third, we got emotional, and we had a tough time to stay focused and keep our composure and stay with it.
1: And that's exactly what they did not do when it comes to keeping their composure. They'll take, I, Will Farrell They didn't keep their composure! Well, here's what happens tomorrow night. They take on the New York Islanders, and the Islanders are a pretty good team, so the Coyote try to get back at it in Tempe. Uh. One interesting thing from Jonathan Gannon, he was being interviewed yesterday on KMVP radio in Phoenix and said yes, there's no doubt in his mind that Kyler Murray is the 2024 quarterback. Nick Rawls has a little fun as the defensive coordinator said the difference between winning and losing is the text messages.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, congratulating you on the win. That, that happens a lot, I feel like. Usually when you win, you get a lot of texts. When you lose, there's two people that text you. It's your wife and your mom. I think, I think that's pretty good. I I
1: gotta give it that. They take on Seattle, and I. There's a lot of people that think the Cardinals are gonna win this game. I'm not one of them. Seahawks in Glendale Sunday 2:25. Well, it happened late last night. I say late last night, but last night it kind of stinks. Kevin Durant with that hamstring ruled out. So there are still no basketball games in NBA history with Durant, Beal, Booker, and on the other side of things, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the court at the same time. Clippers tonight in Phoenix. Game time and tip-off is at 7 o'clock couple NFL things you need to know about. The hypocrisy of the NFL lives on. David Tepper throws a drink at a fan. Other fans have been banned for life from stadiums for doing that. David Tepper gets a $300,000 fine. The man is a multi-billionaire. So that's like getting fined $3,000 for start trying to start a fight, basically. I think he'll get over it. And the NFL, instead of admitting that the referees were wrong in the Detroit-Dallas game, they've now told players, this is how you're supposed to report, which is exactly what Detroit did. Gotta give a little love this morning to Grambling State women's basketball team. They beat Division II College of Biblical Studies last night 159 to 18. It was 34 to nothing at halftime, 82 to 10, or excuse me, 34 to nothing to start, 82 to 10 at halftime. The Ambassadors had 57 turnovers. And finally, meet Dwayne Walden, who's upset at employees at a High Point McDonald's. You see, his wife in North Carolina is studying to be a manager at McDonald's. Hey, congratulations. But she claims that several employees were disrespecting her. So she called her husband who came into the store, walked straight behind the counter and immediately attacked one of her coworkers, started punching the other man, then dragged his face over the French fries and tried to put his face into the fryer. He was pulled off of of the man by other McDonald's employees. Police were called and the man was arrested. Would you like to know his profession? (laughs) He's a pastor at a local church. Gosh, I can't imagine those sermons. Uh, Her profession? I don't know. She's no longer studying to be a manager at McDonald's. Jackpot, Unplugged Army. I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Sivlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls a shirt and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind.
3: I'm Janelle, general manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes and the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch.
1: Bell's Nashville Kitchen, on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. I don't know why this happens, but it's all, it's all about the system. And when I was younger, I used to hate to hear old talk show hosts talk about being old. And now that I'm old, I gotta tell you. I'm sorry to all those guys that I got frustrated with. You were trying to help. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplug a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, G, C, U, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merc, this is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. I'm about to violate all the rules of television, but sometimes you've got to take drastic measures. For those of you listening to the podcast right now, uh, I've been going crazy. There is a short in the wire that connects my good headphones. And it drives me crazy to hear in only one ear. And yet, I continually forget to do anything about it. So, I brought in the backup pair of headphones. Now, the backup pair of headphones, I don't know what the deal is. They kind of drive me crazy, too, because I have to turn up the headphones, these headphones, so loud so I can hear my own voice. I know it's strange, but when you're in this business... There's a certain level that you just, you just have to hear yourself. And if you don't hear yourself, you just start yelling obnoxiously loud because you don't hear. And even worse, you don't know what's going on. So you, you, you turn it up. The problem is I have the headphones up perfect at a perfect level for me to hear me. But as soon as Jeff Weir Production plays music or what we call sound in the business... I mean, it is like ear splitting. So then I'm constantly doing this. Uh, 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 I don't know, why. I don't know why I thought it was entertaining to turn myself up and down like you could hear that because it's just in my headphones. <laughs> That's that pretty. I'm a smart guy, but it it drives me nuts. And so I've got to get these headphones fixed. So I knew if I left them over there, I would not remember that they're there. So I brought them over here so they're right in my way so I can uh, so I can hopefully not forget. Today is a two Mountain Dew day. It was a, man, it was a rough night. I, for, well, my schedule got a little thrown off for a positive reason. Yesterday, uh, I was working and, uh, and then iOS ended. If you haven't watched it yet, as a member of the Unplugged Army, please do. Uh, Izzy on Sports, you can watch it every weekday morning from 10 to noon here on WTSMTV.com. I think, you'll, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's, it's a very young and fresh take on sports, and Izzy gets better all the time. And uh, then at 12 on Tuesdays is Hanging with Coop, which I, I just, I'm just i still in shock that we have this. I, I'm being totally serious. This is complete humbleness on my part. I don't know if everybody at WTSM uh, agrees with me by saying this. They might say, hey, we're WTS." I don't know if CEO Chris feels like, we're WTSMTV.com. We get all the big hitters. I, I don't know. For me, it's like, wow, we got Bruce Cooper. So uh, I'm watching Coop and Jeff do their show, and Jeff Schneider is different than Jeff Weir Production. If, if They're not related if you didn't know. And uh, so I popped in there uh, during a break. This is one of the funniest things that's ever happened to me. I said, hey, you guys want to go to lunch? And uh, And Jeff Schneider says, no, I have an appointment. I got something I got to do. I said, oh, all right. Coop, you want to go? And I don't know how badly Coop wanted to go, but he goes, Dougie, all right, all right, yeah, yeah, like that. So I'm like, okay, okay. By the way, that was a fantastic Bruce Cooper, if you're wondering. That was fantastic. Uh, I, like, I didn't know what it was going to sound like when it came out, but that was really good. And uh, So then he says yes. So after he says yes, then Jeff Schneider looks at his phone and he goes, you know what? I might go then. I might go. Wait, wait, are you kidding? (laughs) That shows you where I rank. Hey, Jeff Schneider, do you want to go to lunch? No. Hey, Jeff, do you want to go with Coop and I? Yeah. Okay. So the three of us go to lunch and have a fantastic time. We just... Talked about everything under the sun, a lot of draft stuff, a lot of football stuff. Man, does Coop love to just throw out sports topics and and get into good debates. And it was it was fun. And to me, that that's a show. To me, that there's going to be a day here on wtsmtv.com where it's called the Bar Show, and I want it to be Jeff, Bruce, Cooper, me, and Izzy, and I want the four of us to do the Bar Show, something like that. I, I just think that would be. Highly entertaining. You get dramatic amounts of diver- uh, of diversity by having two African Americans, two white guys. You also get three old guys, one young guy. You also get two guys that are longtime on air talent, and Coop and I, and two guys that one guy that's a. I don't know how long Jeff Schneider has been a professor, but I know he produced a podcast that described the Boston Tea Party. So I—that's I, all I know. So he's—he's he's incredibly old. And then you've got Izzy, who started off as a producer that's worked his way up to what we call talent in the business. So with—with with all of us, we come from so many different parallels. Coop raised out here, Izzy and I raised in the Midwest, and then total hardcore New York East Coast in Jeff Schneider. It would be really a cool show, the four of us, I think.
4: Then you'd have me producing it, asking stupid questions.
1: And you represent the whole South, yeah. so it's great. And, uh, and by the way, if you would like a critique, which you didn't ask for, I want more of you on Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by World One Golf Club Wild Horse Pass anyway. So <laughs> I, I don't think your questions are stupid. Uh, I, to me, you ask the questions that everybody is wondering. And that's why I like it when you ask questions. So more, I think everybody in the Unplugged Army would agree, more Jeff Weir production in their life. So th- now you know. And I get, just because you did that, I get so many comments. I don't add them all to Town Hall Tuesday. But I get so many comments. Some people think the most enjoyable part of the program is not me. <laughs> It's you laughing, Jeff. When they hear you laughing in the back at something I've done, whether it's making fun of me or making fun of, I don't know, pastors that try to burn people's faces off. Oh, yeah. People, people very much enjoy that. Speaking of which, uh, North Carolina, uh, what, what's going on in the South? The South is a lot of nice people. What, what, how do we get somebody that angry that wants to put a face into a fryer,
4: Jeff Weir Production? Yeah, I, I can't explain that one either, especially a pastor. Mm-hmm. That's just beyond me. I mean – do you,
1: after you hear that story, do you think I've got to go to that guy's church, or do you think I'm never going to that guy's church? Because don't don't if you if you want a go. message, <laughs> I mean, if you're not getting the message, I, I would go by this. If I'm a, you don't want to admit this publicly, but if you're a bad parent, I would take my kids to that church. You better listen to this guy. You know, because if you're having trouble disciplining your kids, hey, here we go. His wife calls him and says someone's disrespecting me. I know. Put his face into the French fries. I mean, that's just—it's amazing correlation. Simple logic. And, and you'll get your way a lot, I think. So I—I I, I, I shouldn't make fun, but of course I should. So that, thats how I felt about that story. But anyway, uh, the whole point of this two Mountain Dew day and this long story is uh, going out to lunch. Man, that screwed up the body clock. The system still isn't reset into a the the weird schedule that I live when you when you get off for a week like that it's just it's the balance is way off i thought it would help by coming back on friday just to kind of get a little recharged and then have a 3 day weekend and i realized that was dumb now i should have just skipped friday i didn't want to do that as a, as the commander in chief but from a system standpoint i should have just skipped friday rested all the way through and then oh yeah i've been ready to go yesterday but i i do feel like as the commander in chief of the unplugged army you probably were working and i didn't want to skip out on you and that's why i came to work uh, on friday and we, we i wanted to set up the uh, eagles game because i told you how bad the eagles were going to beat the cardinals Like what were you going to do without that information glad i was here for you uh and I always, you know, speaking of my predictions, and, and I had a, a bad la, uh, bad night last night. The uh, uh, Bruins kind of helped save me, but it was still pretty ugly. I went one and two. But I had to tell you something that, uh, that got to me yesterday is on, on versus Vegas. And I don't normally talk gambling at the beginning of the show, but I thought you should know this. I really let you down yesterday. I was not going to gamble on it because that's blood money to me. And what that means is – I'm not going to make money betting against something I, I love. I do love the Coyotes, but I'll, sometimes it's so easy I bet against them, I admit it. I'm a Cardinals supporter, not a Cardinals fan. There's a difference. I want the Cardinals to do well because I care about you, and I know you're a fan of the Cardinals. So I want them to do well for you, but I, that's why I support them. But I don't want to call myself a fan because it, it doesn't matter that much to me. Uh, I'm hardcore Suns and Diamondbacks, so uh, I I rarely, rarely, rarely bet against them unless it's just so obvious that we might as well try to make some money. But one thing I don't do is I don't bet against the Bobcats. I love my Ohio Bobcats, and I I don't want to profit over being miserable. However, I usually will tell you, hey, something's coming where it doesn't look good. I know my Bobcats, and we're going to lose. And last night was one of those nights. We played Toledo last night. and I, We never beat Toledo. I mean, I realize you're, you got to kind of laugh, Doug, Toledo. But you have to remember, in Ohio, there's a college on every street corner. It's just so different than the West because obviously being settled uh, almost 200 years earlier. But also just the amount of, of people that said, oh, I don't like what you're teaching, so I'm starting a college. And a college starts as like five students in the 1700s or 1800s, and it's still going on now. Uh, But the first Ohio University is Ohio University, 1803, thank you. 1804 was the first classes, but it was chartered in 1803. Toledo, who knows? If you don't know why there's an Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, it's because the Ohio-Michigan rivalry, I don't know if I've ever told you this, it's kind of funny. Did you know Michigan is separated? Okay, other than like, of course, Hawaii and Alaska and islands. Michigan is the only state in our union that doesn't have an island of separation. It's just two different land masses. And Michigan has what's called the UP, the Upper Peninsula. People call them UPers up there. And it's totally separate from the rest of the actual mitten. Well, the reason why that is, is the dumbest argument in American history happened. They were arguing over Toledo. Michigan claimed Toledo was theirs. Ohio claimed Toledo was theirs. As an Ohioan, I can say this. If you've ever been to Toledo... They have a big battle going on with Youngstown and Steubenville on, which is the armpit of America. And it's really nice that it's in Ohio because you have your left armpit and your right armpit. These two cities are disgusting. It is awful to go there. And so Toledo being an awful city, it's just it's a punch in the face that my Bobcats cannot beat them. The whole time I was going to school there, we would lose. And then Toledo, I think, has won the last three MAC championships in a row. And they just smashed us again yesterday. And I forgot to tell you, oh, by the way, no matter what happens on planet Earth, the Bobcats are not beating Toledo. And I watched that game and just sat there, upset at the world because I was so exhausted after lunch. Never really got a nap because I started working when I got home from lunch. Never napped. Then the Bobcats are on. Got to watch my Bobcats. And then I'm thinking, why am I watching this when I could have napped before the Coyotes game? And I just, that screwed everything up. I just had to complain about my Bobcats. Although I love the head coach. I don't think he remembers me, but we went to school together. <laughs> that made me laugh. One of, one of the head coach's teammates is a guy named Gary Trent, the Shack of the Mac, if you're old school Uh, NBA, you'll remember Gary Trent, or at least now if you're new school, you'll know his son, Gary Trent Jr. That's hard to figure out. But I'll never forget, I was not in this class, but I had a buddy in the class But you had to stand up, say your name, and then uh, say your major, and then uh, say something about yourself. And Gary Trent stood up and said, I'm Gary Trent. My major is basketball. I don't have to have a real major. And then sat down. (laughs) well he did he was a first round pick so uh i'll give him that all right jeff we're uh, production anything happening in your life
4: oh not much come on there's Just gotta be home, something went home and relaxed yesterday went to bed fairly early what's early for you early early is six okay okay fairly early is
1: seven uh, this is personal i shouldn't ask but you know i'm going to anyway okay um how How are, is everything with your daughter? Are you, like, does she go to bed at six? Like, how how does your life affect her life? Um. Like, do you get good quality daddy-daughter time?
4: Oh, yeah. Okay, good. When I get home, you know, I, I usually get home around one. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets uh, out of school. I go pick her up at around, uh, 3.30-ish. Oh, that's good. Yep. So, we spend all that time together until I go to bed. And then, does she, like,
1: stay up and play video games all night? Does she actually get her homework done? I mean...
4: Yeah, she goes to bed at around 8.30.
1: That's awesome. She just puts (laughs) herself to bed.
4: (laughs) Well... Old man daddy's going to bed! Well, yeah. You know... He's learning that. at a very young age. I,
1: I I totally agree with that. I think you're going to be shocked at her independence and her ability to take care of herself.
4: I sure hope so.
1: So this is this is working out great. And and I'm also just sucking up to make sure you don't feel like you're missing something.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I uh, because of the working dynamic between the two of us. All right, let's do uh, sound credits today. We've got Nick Rawls and Drew Petzing from AzCardinals.com. They carry an entire the entire press conferences, so if you're ever interested, you can go there. I want to give them a free plug because that's where I steal the sound from all the time. But I only play what I find interesting. And you might find Drew Petsing interesting. I think Drew Petsing is unbelievably boring. Un- I mean, just crazy boring. But I mean good boring if you are like teaching a class in media. Because he seems to totally engage with the member of the media. He gives answers, but he never says anything. No matter what you ask, he'll either turn it into a team game or how he needs to improve or how much respect he has for the other team. I mean, every single answer is in one of three categories. And no matter how pinpointed your question is, he dances unbelievably well but never does it in an angry way. So, like, the guy is teaching – a media class every time he talks. Problem is for me, I don't want a media class. I'm in the media, you know. I want to learn something. Really give me something, and he very rarely says stuff. But as I say that, I have four cuts from him today because I do think it's interesting. If I'm looking at it as a fan, hey, what's going on? Every now and then he does actually say something, and with uh and with not a lot of other action last night, it was only the the uh, coyotes that played. We actually have a little bit of time to dive into the coyotes today. Which stinks because it's it's at a game that they just stunk in that third period. It was it was bad, and I I'd like to blame Vamelka, but I can't. The goals scored, one of the goals was an own goal. Like uh, that's not the goalie's fault when he's got to deal with. I think it was Kesserling when people are scoring on him. That's a, what's he gonna do about it? And uh, I think that's it. Can you think of anything else sound wise, Jeff? Weir production. That's it. All right, good. Let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today is. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me, the hypocrisy of the NFL. And I am part of the problem. I'm being a hypocrite because I'm letting them get away with it. But I want to bring you down with me. So are you. I officially love the game of football, and I, I'm at the point now where I hate the NFL. I really am. The more and more I get closer, the more and more sources I get, the more and more frustrating it is, And I understand it to a point. They're a business, they want to make a profit, and they want to hide from you anything that gets in the way of that profit. At the same time, it is so not regulated in a way of what is actually right and wrong by a conscience. It's dictated by what will make us the most money irrelevant of conscience. And that... It just makes me sick that these people are the stewards of this great of a game. And there's no way to fix it other than doing something the players would never do. The players would never agree to some kind of 60-40 split in paying a commissioner's salary. The commissioner is simply a employee of the owners. That's it. So he can act like all he wants, he's a steward of the game but he's simply a stooge for the owners. That's it. That's all that guy is. And I say that because of three different things that are going on right now that are just so hypocritical. Number one, David Tepper got a $300,000 fine yesterday for throwing a drink at a uh, at a patron in Jacksonville. Now, Let's be clear. Sometimes we get into these big arguments and it's like you have to choose a side. And some people are arguing, get off David Tepper. It's a little, it was probably water. No big deal. It's not the worst thing that happened to this guy. Don't act like he's going to die because you flipped water at him. Then, on the other hand, people are outraged like David Tepper should lose the team and blah. Okay, first of all, calm down a second. Number two, you can believe both guys deserve it. Do you remember Legarrette Blunt? Does that name ring a bell to you, Jeff? we production. If I say Legarrette Blunt, yes. Legarrette Blunt. A lot of people might go, "Okay, why do I know him?" You might remember him as a longtime Patriots running back, a guy that bounced around the league. I remember Legarrette Blunt for the or, as the Oregon player that when uh, uh, that sell that was upset after a loss and punched a guy right in the face during post game handshakes. He punched a guy named Byron Lout, I think it was, or Hout, something like that, for Boise State. And everybody ripped LeGarrett Blunt for being this horrible human being. How dare you do that? Blah, 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 and all this stuff about LeGarrett Blunt. I always felt like I'm the only person in the world that said this. A, yes, LeGarrett Blunt, you're a terrible person for doing that. B, hey Byron Hout or whatever name what your name was, you deserved it. I mean, we always talk about how bad it is for somebody to take action. But we, but we lose the fact that, you know, we shouldn't be punching people in the face unless you're, of course, a North Carolina pastor and you have a French fry fryer nearby. But other than that, Byron Howe did deserve it, okay? It was after the game, Garrett Blunt had fumbled or something, I can't remember, and Howe ran right up to him and started dancing in his face. Some kind of post-game handshake. So he deserved to get punched. So don't make me feel bad for Byron, whatever his name was, just because LeGarrette Blunt's a bad guy. I look at this the same way. I guarantee you that Jacksonville fan deserved it. Guaranteed. Have you been to an NFL game? How unruly some of the fans are? Have you heard some of the comments? I Well, maybe you haven't heard what I've heard, but when you stand on a sideline and hear people actually yelling at players, it is crazy what people think it's okay to say as long as there's a barrier protecting him and that's exactly what this guy was like you can yell at both people all right that guy deserved a drink being thrown in his face so don't tell me about him and try to make me feel bad about him however i can still turn and look at david tepper and say you're an a-hole buddy i mean you're you're just filth And I say that because you can judge a man's character by watching that incident. David Tepper is so high on his horse that he thinks he's above all this. What would he do if a player got a 15-yard penalty? Can you imagine the outrage he would have getting mad at his coach for having a lack of discipline? This is a team that goes through coaches and general managers like he's doing his best Robert Sarver imitation. This is a guy that has absolutely no clue how to run a professional football franchise, but because he has money, thinks he does, and is too scared of actually listening to people that are smarter than he is, so he tries to intimidate. And you can say, Doug, how do you know this? Are you ever in a Carolina Panthers? No, I'm not. But you can tell by somebody's actions the lack of success in other areas where you know, okay, this is, let's paint this picture of who this guy is. And the NFL, in its hypocrisy, says you get a $300,000 fine. That's all you do? If a fan did that to another fan or if a fan threw a beer at a player, what would the penalty be? I guarantee you the stadium would say we don't take that or we don't accept that in our facilities, and they would ban that fan for life. They would pull his season tickets. You would you would probably punish him by uh, possibly even arresting him, giving him a citation. Now, do I believe it's much more dangerous to be throwing beer from the crowd in a container down onto the field than it is for a guy to flip water on? Of course I do. Yes, it's more dangerous if a fan did that. But the actions are really the same. And this is it, NFL? This is it. If that wasn't on video, you would have done nothing. Since the video is out there, instead of saying, you know what, David, you could have even gotten lucky because it's the AFC versus the NFC. You could have said, David Tepper, you can never go to a Jacksonville Jaguars game again. That would have been pretty strong. And it doesn't matter. They play Jacksonville guaranteed once every eight years in Jacksonville and possibly a few more times Every four years, depending on where they finish in the schedule. That's a long schedule discussion. But that is hypocrisy level number one. That is just embarrassing. And yet I admit I'm part of the hypocritical nature because if I had the onions, I would stand up this and say, you know what, I'm not talking NFL anymore. Yet we all know what that would do to a sports podcast. And I'm like feeding the beast because I need to to make money too. So I want to call out myself for not having the courage to do a non-football podcast, but I want to start by looking at the NFL and just say what a joke and an embarrassment you are when you think that that's fair, when you would never be so soft on a fan. Number two, bit of hypocrisy, where is the finishing discussion when, as it relates to Michael Bidwell? Both team, both sides in the Terry McDonough arbitration case. And by the way, this is just for you, unplugged army. No one else in this city is reporting on it. I don't know why the media. Is, well, I think I know why. The media is scared to lose access to the Arizona Cardinals. So it shows you how gutless are a lot of our local media are. That this story has not in any way, I don't want to say gone viral. Because I understand. Sorry that I kind of jumped around there. But I understand the national media, why would they care? The national media doesn't respect Michael Bidwell, doesn't care about the Arizona Cardinals, and the Cardinals do very little to ever make the national media or fans care. National media looks at it and says, does the fan base in my city or across America care what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals? No, they don't. You know, Spygate, Deflategate, and all of those things, they were huge because it's the Patriots. Because it's a Super Bowl contending team. Because it's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Therefore, everybody cares. Even if you thought Tom Brady should have had the hammer thrown at, dropped on him. Or if you think Tom Brady was totally innocent and that was a joke and a witch hunt. No matter what, you had an opinion. Across America, they don't care about the Cardinals. So I get it. What I don't understand is media in this town not asking any of the questions. Not caring about it. Because... If this organization cheated, they're going to lose some draft picks. And they already got caught in some kind of lie and or uh, breaking of the rules in the hiring of Jonathan Gannon in the first place. And it's amazing how that got swept under the rug so fast. So now here's the new information as it relates to the Terry McDonough case and Michael Bidwell. Both sides have turned in their final briefings, their final briefs. Sorry, bad bad legal term there. Their final brief. So they've turned in, in a sense, a closing argument to the arbitrator. So the Cardinals would have turned in something why Terry McDonough's case has no merit. And Terry McDonough's side has turned in all of the allegations and then, in their opinion, the proof of those allegations with the testimony of other people saying, this is what Michael Bidwill did and this is what we expect to be done for Terry McDonough. And then on top of it, any punishments for the NFL if they so choose. So I have not seen those briefs. I want to tell you that up front. But I look at it and I stare down the arbitrator and I say, how long is this going to take? Now, he has 90 days from getting both briefs. I don't know when he received both briefs. I believe it was right before New Year's, but I don't know that. I'm not reporting on that. I'm speculating on that. So technically, he has all the way until late March. And I've already told you, if, they, if this guy really wants to hide it, the NFL wants to hide it, what they'll do is they won't release it to around the Final Four. Because at the time of the Final Four, since it's Cardinals, National Football League fans aren't going to care. They're going to be worried about the draft. Sports fans in general are looking at the Final Four, and even locally, since the Final Four is in Glendale... All of the media is going to be running around paying attention to that and possibly a Suns getting ready for the playoffs and spring training with with a National League championship team going through a local spring training. There are so many things to distract you from that specific story that I believe that's when they're going to let it out. But again, that's another level of hypocrisy. The NFL isn't looking at this and saying, let's do what's right. Because if the Cardinals broke the rules, if the Cardinals intentionally tried to deceive the NFL by dropping the hammer on Steve Keim in a, in a very serious uh, suspension and fine, only to then circumvent their own suspension and fine by cheating their way around it with a set of burner phones, that way they blocked the NFL from getting involved while they were breaking the rule all the time. Well, that, that's a clear violation, and that would easily result in a loss of draft picks and other things. But if they can hide it and drop it in late, they don't care. The NFL isn't saying, I care to do what's right. They care to get away with it. They care to make sure you stop caring or stop wondering about it. And the local media here is being very complicit in that. Well, it is my belief that... Michael Bidwill will go up in so now no chance he loses the franchise no chance that's even talked about I'm not going down that road this is not remotely a Daniel Snyder situation it is not in any way uh, any other like Donald Sterling and the Clippers no way okay I don't think it touches that however I do look at the scenario and I think the NFL I think the arbitrator is going to tell Roger Goodell hey. This isn't good for the Cardinals. Terry McDonough has proven his case. Then the NFL will go to uh, Michael Bidwell and say, "We don't. You know what? We don't want to have to make a ruling here. If you will, you've got to admit to us you screwed this up, and then go to Terry and make this right, so we can wipe away this arbitration case, and then it all magically goes away." That's that's what I think. I think Michael Bidwill's staff, his lawyer, his group, got run over so bad in that arbitration case that he's got two choices: Compl- continue to be defiant. Continue to lie to Arizona and act like that his employees are very, very happy right now. And I don't think they are. And, and act like you've implemented all these changes. Talk about all these changes you've implemented. Act like things are good. Pray that nobody in the media really digs into it to find out whether the employees there really believe that there has been change. Because I look at it like this. Where are the employees coming out now? If the employees were coming out now and saying there's been a lot of positive changes, wouldn't, wouldn't you go, oh, okay, okay. They're not coming out, right? So that, that kind of lets you know, Ah, oh, okay, not a lot of sentiment on this. So that's number two, hypocrisy. And then number three, this Detroit Lions thing. I we talked a little bit about covering up the tight end yesterday with the bobbleheads if you're watching on WTSMTV.com. If you're a listener to the podcast, oh my gosh, thank you for being in the Unplugged Army. I can't do anything without you. I really appreciate the time you spend on Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or TuneIn. I need all the downloads I can get. I can. I need all the listeners I can get. You help me immensely. But I would also like to invite you to consider becoming a basic member so you can watch the show on demand, either in the office or when you get home at any time, or stepping up and becoming a live member and that's the next step. And now you're watching, boom, it's 6.41 in the morning. You've got sports on in the bathroom. If you have a TV in the bathroom, you can put it on uh, upstairs. And You can hear me while you walk around. And then if I start talking with a visual, you could stop, look at the video. Okay, now you know what's going on in sports locally. I would love for you to do that and become a member of the Unplugged Army video-wise here at WTSMTV.com. But I was moving bobbleheads around to explain about how you cover up the tight end and things like that. And the Detroit Lions, I I don't love the trick play. They had a a kind of a trick play where I love the tackle-eligible trick play, but they had almost a trick reporting. We're going to send multiple people around the referee, but only one's going to report, hoping to confuse the Dallas Cowboys so they don't realize who it was that reported, and they don't cover the right guy. Well, then, through terrible officiating, the official said that, the wrong guy reported when that's not what happened. Every member of the Detroit Lions is standing up and saying, I did this right. Well, here's what's ridiculous about it. And by the way, it was still horribly wrong for the Lions to go for two when they got hit with the five-yard penalty. I don't mind going for two for the win. If you think you have a better chance of winning two yard or, uh, two, a yard away from the end zone versus going through an entire overtime, knock yourself out. I have no problem with that. That is a coaching decision based on the knowledge you have of your players and the knowledge you have of what the the tendencies of the defense are. That's, like, we can debate that forever. But when you're down by a point at the end of the game, do you want to go for two or do you want to kick it? And everybody says, oh, you're at home. You got to No, you don't. No, you don't. I have no idea the strength of your defense, the exhaustion of the other team's defense. Every situation and scenario is different. It's wrong to have a blanket statement and say you should always kick or you should always go for two in that situation. But once they get moved back to the seven, that was dumb. I don't care how angry you are at the refs. I don't care what your emotions are. That's terrible coaching on the part of Dan Campbell. That is a big-time choke. That is just I'm so angry I'm going to do it anyway. That's, that's when your emotions totally get in the way of your logic. An intelligent, unemotional coach would have kicked the extra point, tried to win it in overtime. That's, that was bad coaching. Do I feel bad for the guy? Yeah, I do. The NFL and that officiating crew screwed up big time. Okay? But let's not you know say that without saying so to Dan Campbell after the fact. But now the NFL is doubling down. They, they released a video to explain to all players what they need to do to report. Now, if that's all confusing, what do you mean report? There are seven men on the line of scrimmage. Five of them are not eligible, not only not eligible to catch a pass, they are supposed to be wearing a jersey number that also shows they're not eligible. That way the referees don't have to try to figure out, wait, where were you lined up? I forget where you. Li- where were you lined up. So there are ineligible numbers that offensive linemen wear. Now, if you are going to line up in an eligible position, you've got to go to the referee and report. And you'll see a player going like this. And they're saying, this number can now catch a pass on this one play. If one guy plays tight end with an ineligible number, he's got to report every single play. He can't say, hey, I'm number 65, but I'm going to play tight end the rest of the day. And, and then never report again. No, he's got to report every single time, every single play. And the Lions say they did that. The NFL is saying, no, you got to start doing it like this, make it apparent, make it real, make it obvious to everybody. And what is so hypocritical about that is nobody wants to admit, the NFL has not one time said that this crew was terrible, this crew stood up, the Lions did it right. Now there's a report from Adam Schefter, that says that crew has been downgraded and most of the members will not be participating in the postseason. Okay? That's not a statement from the NFL. Now, did they probably slip Adam Schefter some information in order to get people to calm down? I 100% believe that. But that's still not real. That's still not a true punishment. That's still not coming out and stating the obvious that we screwed up. The NFL, for some reason, just wants you to forget about it. Like, I don't care about the Lions. I kind of think it's – I like Detroit losing, okay? As a guy from Ohio, I like it when Detroit teams lose. I'll always root against Detroit teams. But it is the height of hypocrisy to not admit the referees that you employ screwed up. It is hypocritical to not stand there and say, we've got an officiating problem in the NFL because they do. And this is another example of the NFL being completely gutless and not being honest with you. And it's going to continue until people start standing up to it. The one saving grace, and this might make you laugh because I realize if you're not careful, gambling can destroy families. Please, God, be careful you might disagree with me doing versus vegas cuz you think i glorify it you might disagree with me giving you a psa out of nowhere all of a sudden i know that there's two ends of the spectrum okay i don't want to restrict i don't believe in restricting one person's rights because of somebody else not being able to handle it i think that that's that's wrong i like america in in the sense that we have earned rights you do what you want as long as it doesn't infringe on me but, oh my gosh, please be careful. It's easy for me to gamble. I gamble five bucks and sometimes I forget to put money in. It's, it's not a big deal. So that's simple. For those of you that have a problem, please get help. But having said that, one huge benefit to gambling nationally is because they watch and monitor things like this. They do hold things accountable. There, there, there could be, if this happened in a playoff game, I could easily see somebody filing lawsuits, and even though they wouldn't win, you'd still annoy the NFL like crazy if they had to defend themselves against a class action lawsuit to say, hey, our referees did this or did this or screwed up. They don't do enough. The NFL doesn't do enough to get good officials. They don't coach them well enough. They don't hire enough of them. They don't do a good enough job of making them a full-time crew so then they learn more about working together. They learn more through camps. They would have sessions during the week where you would have big Zoom, stuff like that. They don't do that enough, and they think they're okay with it because they save money by not having a full-time force. I don't want to act like having full-time refs dramatically improves things. It doesn't make it 400 times better, but if it makes it 50 times better, isn't it worth it if you're a billion-dollar league? A 10, 12-billion-dollar league? I think so. And that, again, is another hypocritical stance of the NFL. Be a fan of your team. Love the game of football. But never forget, the owners really don't care about you. They're lying. Too many have proven it time and time again. All right, coming up next. Let's dive into the actual football side of things. And that is talking Arizona Cardinals and a very important statement that was said by the head coach. Is it short-term? Is he lying? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, congratulating you on the win. That, That happens a lot, I feel like, usually when you win, you get a lot of texts. When you lose, there's two people that text you. It's your wife and your mom.
0: This room that we're in right now is called the Roadrunner Room. And it is our private event space. It's 1,200 square feet and accommodates up to 80 seated, about 120 standing, mingling. We have comedy night in here on Friday nights. And it, we've had board meetings, luncheons for ASU. We've had city council member, the mayor's been in here, Mayor Corey Woods. We have cornhole in here. So whatever really... This, you want the space, we'll, we'll set it up for you.
1: 100 Mile Brewing Company, fresh. It never gets old. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two. That R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Out of Houston, College of Biblical Studies... Have you ever heard of the Division II College of Biblical Studies Ambassadors,
0: Jeff Weir Production?
4: I have not. I I haven't either. But it sounds like they're much more into their studies than there are their sports.
1: Let me do the quick math. Um, I think I would have this right. So, I'm going to ballpark it at about three times as much. Uh, The Ambassadors had three times as many turnovers as points. (laughs) Grambling State women's basketball team won 159 to 18 last night. The largest win in the history of Division 1 basketball, even though College of Biblical Studies is Division 2. They st- Grambling started the game with a 34-0 run. It's 34 to nothing before they scored. I'm sorry. That's just uh, To me, I love doing play-by-play. So I, I mean, I. That's why I got into radio in the first place. I wanted to do Major League Baseball play-by-play, and so I just sit there and I think, imagine doing play-by-play of a game that's thirty to nothing. I mean, you come into a game with about two or three stories, no matter what. You're telling stories five minutes into the game. I mean, you, you, you got nothing there. It is nothing to talk about at all hey, look at her ponytail. Wow, that's nice. I mean, it's just. Wow, what a game that would have been to call. Oh if you do an entertaining job of play by play in that game, you've got a job anywhere. A quick note, an announcement uh, not to all of the unplugged army, but to a na- uh, to two men, one by the name of Isaiah and one by the name of Jeff. Uh, I completely revolted against CEO Chris. I never knew this, but in this studio where I sit now, you see, if you're watching me, there's soundproofing behind me. I didn't know, but right next to the Beer Friday sign, there is, thank you, David, there is a thermostat under there. Well, CEO Chris came in yesterday and turned on the sun and then never turned it back off. And during the last beautiful part of the podcast, I I was close to dying of, 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 some kind of heat exhaustion. So I have since put it back to a normal manly type of degrees. And I just wanted you to both to know that that we're about to get a lot more comfortable. Izzy would disagree with me because he does his show wearing a blanket. <laughs> It's the funniest thing. If you ever walk in on Izzy, it's like, it's like he secretly got a robe on. You walk in, there's this blanket around his legs that you never get to see on camera. And yesterday, I don't know why this happens, but Jeff Weir production at the end of every show, as Jeff Weir's getting ready for the next show, for some reason, our camera is off air but comes back on. So I've gotten used to that, that at the end of my show, my show ends at at 7.57, and in the process of getting ready for the main event, my camera comes on, but it's not on the air. So I see myself in the monitor. So I started making faces at Jeff, posing, wrestling style for Jeff, doing all kinds of weird things, and Jeff claims that he's never seen me do any of the things that I do while he does that. And luckily, hopefully Steve never sees any of the things I do, because I hope he doesn't think I'm doing it at him. Well, I do that all the time. Well, Izzy yesterday, I saw when his show ended, he comes back up on camera while Jeff Weir Production is getting ready for hanging with Coop. And what do I see? I see him standing up, folding his blanket. (laughs) I have thought long and hard about a practical joke on Izzy, and just just dropping, just dropping the AC all the way down to like fifty-five degrees. <laughs> Let's see, just see how many layers Izzy will do his show wearing. <laughs> I may be the only guy highly entertained by that, but
4: he's going to bring in a winter coat if you do that.
1: He'll have a parka on uh, in there. Hey, trust me, as an Indiana guy, he, he's he's got he's got layers hidden somewhere that that he can use. It it is amazing how much I've become a wuss. Like, I want it cold in studio, but I don't like it cold outside. And when I was in college, oh my gosh, I would wear deck shoes and no socks, shorts, and I would have a sweatshirt on in January in Ohio, and there might be five inches of snow on the ground. I don't care. Suck it up, you know? And then, boom, I moved to Alabama. I lived there for five years, became a wuss. Can't stand the cold now. I get grumpy at gray and get all whiny, and I, I just hate it. I'm such a happy person in Phoenix. <laughs> would you like some content? Did you, did you miss content? Ah! Let's talk Cardinals. Um, let's start with Nick Rollis, if you would, Jeff Weir Production. Defensive coordinator, Arizona Cardinals. I was, uh, I was entertained by this, and I, I wanted to give him credit. He was asked, hey, big win. You got to win in Philadelphia. Did you have a lot of people reach out to you? And he really showed what life is like in the NFL. And I have to give him a lot of credit for this comment.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people, you know, congratulating you on the win. That, that happens a lot, I feel like. Usually when you win, you get a lot of texts. When you lose, there's two people that text you. It's your wife and your mom. That stays consistent. You know what I'm saying? So, um yeah, a lot of people usually text you when they win. It's cool. You know, uh, Sam had a good point. He said I try to make the I try to make a, a very intentful decision to text people, text other coaches that are my buddies when they lose, because hey, you know, keep pushing, whatever. So I thought that was kind of cool.
1: That is kind of cool. I, I when I heard it, I also laughed. I thought that was good, but it also made me think of life getting fired. I I am totally guilty of this, and I didn't realize it until after I got fired, but I've had friends get fired, and I felt like, hey, we're good enough friends. You know if you need me, get a hold of me when you need something, and I just left it there, and then after I got fired, a whole bunch of people wanted to act like my best friend. Oh, my gosh. People at the station like crazy. Hey, if there's anything you need, oh, man, we'll never survive without you. Oh, my gosh, why would they do this? So many people fired up at the, in the building. And then about a month later, I got a text from two or three people. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? And then about four months later, one guy texted me. This is going to shock you if you are a listener to the old show. If you, if you don't know Doug and Wolf at all, if you don't even remember Doug and Wolf, I get it. Thanks for coming into the Unplugged Army anyway. But if you like the old show and you're basically here out of loyalty because of all the mornings you woke up with the old show, this will shock you. It's been two and a half years. Two and a half years. I haven't received a text from anybody since month four after getting fired. That is not calling those people out because I've done the same thing. I'm guilty of that, too. You just think, hey, if you need something, they'll reach out. You know, I I thought that, too. Now I feel terrible and I've learned a lot. So the next time, uh, if if there's a point in my life where I'm in a large company or as we grow WTSM and we become large, I'm going to reach out to people that get let go and say, hey, how you doing that I was close to. I'm not going to, like if somebody hates me in the office and then they get fired, I think that would be a little rude, month six. Hey, hi, how are you doing? We're really happy over here without you. <laughs> I don't think I'll, I'll go down that road. But people I'm close to, I've learned something. And I thought of that when Nick Rawls said that. Everybody loves me when I win, but when I lose, I got two people in my corner. All right, let's get to the uh, other things from Nick Rawls. I thought this was important. Nick Rullis was asked how does it go when you ran that onside kick uh you had three timeouts you were going to have to defend a short field how do you get prepared knowing you're you're not going to be defending 80 you know 80 75 yards but it's going to be a short field if you don't recover the onside kick did you know the onside kick late in that game was coming
2: no JG does a really good job communicating that um I thought I did a good job of acting like I wasn't really paying attention to the to the kick. You know, good act job by me. Um, But yeah, I was very very aware of hey, if you got to just defend a short field here, you know, time left in the game, how do we want to play that? He JG does a really good job of going back and forth between all the lines. So yeah.
1: When we talk about that play, we I, I forgot to bring it up yesterday. I'm sorry, but the onside kick. I want to say it failed, and I was completely in favor of it. I don't want to be that talk show host that always tells you I disagreed with a bad move. You know, okay, well, all right. When I do tell you that, I disagree with it on the couch. It's not second-guessing. I'm watching. I'm thinking, what are you doing? I liked that move a lot, even though it didn't work, and even though a lot of people say, wait, you've got your timeouts. Kick it deep. Play defense. I look at the game and the score and the situation, Okay. Here's a situation where, for the most part, Philadelphia wasn't moving the ball great, but on the previous drive, they finally woke up, finally decided, you know what, let's actually have a game plan, and let's realize the Bears just ran for 250 yards on this defense, and they came out and started going right down the Cardinals' throat. They started to realize, we're the Eagles and you're not. And that offense started playing a lot better in that little window. Plus, it's a high-scoring game, okay? And with a high-scoring game, it's not, you know, I'm not giving you a blanket statement and saying they should always onside kick in that situation. If the score was 10-6 to and you're down by four, I'm not uh, doing an onside kick. I've stopped you all day. Why would I do an onside kick now? I'm just going to stop you again. But in this game, although the Cardinals' defense had its moments, they weren't playing that great in the last two or three drives, so I love the idea of the onside kick, and it is really important that the defensive coordinator knows about what's about to happen. I thought that was I thought that was a, a good little tidbit, and it just opened up a window for me to say that I really I really liked Jonathan Gannon being aggressive there. Um, this is that same question you've heard a couple times to. Uh, both Kyler Murray about Jonathan Gannon to Jonathan Gannon about him being the coach of the Eagles and now same question Nick Rollis you're the former linebackers coach of the Philadelphia Eagles what does it say to you that your players openly discussed how much they wanted to win this game for you
2: yeah you know I I appreciate that they felt that way ultimately those it was about us going in there getting a win as a team had nothing to do with with JG or myself um but that's, that support, it, it does mean a lot, you know? You ultimately do this job to make the players better, to help you win as a team. And I feel like if, if they feel that, um, if I feel like it's that kind of support that they feel like myself, the rest of the coaching staff is is doing a good job of putting them in positions, making them better players, and um, getting this thing on the right track to win games.
1: I The reason why I love this topic is because there's reality and there's logic. If you're a competitively driven person that wants to earn your paycheck every week and you absolutely can't stand losing, why would it matter that that's your coach's old team? I'm only asking you to think about that logically for a second. If you care, if you devote yourself to winning, Do everything in your power to study all week, know your position, know the tendencies of the other team, execute your game plan, and then give maximum physical effort in the game. If you're doing all of that, where are you getting the extra from? You know, it's the old line, give 110%. Well, you can't. You can only give 100%. The catch is very few people do. Very few people actually give 100%. Some people, it's because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid, wait, I don't want to give 100% and then find out that's not good enough. So I'm not going to give everything I have, so I have a built-in excuse. Other people don't know even how to give 100%. They hit a wall about 80 or 85, and they can't push themselves forward. Very few people actually give 100% 100% of the time I hope you try to achieve that as a member of the Unplugged Army I give 100% a lot <laughs> but, but I, not 100% of the time I'm human I, I, well, I hate that line I'm human uh, I screw up or I think I've got maybe it's a case where I give you 100% of what I've got that day but I don't have the same ceiling as normal my ceiling is lower Something like that. Yet, we all know these guys are affected by it. If you do care about your coach, you do find out a little bit more. You do care a little bit more. And I think that's important to look at. Because if the players realize, wow, we just beat the Eagles, what else can we do? Maybe this team is taking a step. Or you can look at it in a different way, but still positive. It shows you in a three-win season, and I say three wins because at the time, going into the game, it was three wins, they feel this strongly about beating the Eagles, playing against the Eagles. They're still that motivated by their coach. That's a fantastic sign. I don't care what you're playing for. If you're a three-win team and you're still playing hard, that shows you've got good character players. That's, that's a strong edict, no matter why they're playing uh, hard. Uh, next one I think this is this is a longer quote but I, I didn't want to take it out of context I'll tell you what I think about this in a second but I want to give you this so you have time to let it marinate without me putting it through you know the, the cullender of my opinion first no filter the question is a the first question and then I included other questions about it is Zavin Collins former drafted as a middle linebacker by Steve kime one of the first moves done by Nick Rollis and his defensive staff was move him to outside linebacker. He's got bad numbers, okay? Three sacks, three and a half sacks, whatever it is that he has going into week 18, that's atrocious for a starting outside linebacker. That's not enough. Yet Nick Rawls sounds a little different.
2: How hard of a move it was, you know, I would say anytime you move positions, there's just going to be a little bit of a um, transition process to it, but that is, it wasn't difficult for him on a lot of different levels. He did a lot of that stuff in college. Um, he's obviously, he has the skill set to do it and his intelligence is through the roof. So, um, for him, I would say it's a smooth transition. It's a matter of mastering all the techniques and the different, um, requirements of that position as time goes. And like I've said, we actually have him do probably above and beyond what that uh, the standard, you know, job requirement for that position of moving them all over the place, asking him to do things in, in coverage and rush that you wouldn't normally ask that position to do. So, um, he's ascending with his game in every element: the run game, pass rush, dropping in a coverage. And you know, that was a, it was a looking back. I'm really glad we did it because it was it was a huge benefit for us to have him um, in that spot.
3: You know, when you got here and started evaluating the roster. That's something you wanted to do, or what was the process that led up
2: to that? Um, yeah, watching the tape um, from previous years, but also obviously I was very familiar with Zavin from coming out the year he came out, and I had an idea in my head, but ultimately it was a you know decision as a full staff jg money everybody is like that was was looped in on it and um you know zavin we talked to zavin about it and everything like that so it was a it wasn't just like "Ah, i was fixed in my mind that i wanted to do that or i stumbled into it um it was something that i knew was a possibility and you know we kind of made it as a collective uh organization unit did you how long did it take for him to kind
3: of get into that I guess how, how far into the season did you
1: realize,
2: like, okay, this guy has it? Was it immediately? Was it a few weeks ago? Yeah, it was immediately. I knew it. Yeah, I, I mean, um, yeah, it was immediate. You could see it on the practice field, OTAs.
1: Again, I, did that grab you? How did you feel about that? I, uh, I really root for Zayvon Collins, the human being. I think he's a fantastic human being. I really do. I think he cares deeply about being a good NFL player. I think he works really, really hard at being a good NFL player. I don't think he's a good NFL player. (laughs) And I don't... This is where the job kind of stinks, to be quite blunt. Because... Zayvon Collins is well within his right to say, I think Doug Franz works hard at being a good podcaster. I just don't think he is. You know, I mean, I, I got to eat it if that's what Zayvon Collins thinks. I think we would both agree the chances are about 1% to 1.5% that Zayvon Collins is a member of the Unplugged Army. And I'm pretty confident between you and I, he would never remember who I am after meeting him before. But I tell you that is, it's my job to tell you what I see on the field and to be fair about it as the person. I think that man is a man that gives 100% 100% of the time. I think he is a guy that everybody on his team roots for. I think everybody loves saying Zayvon Collins is my teammate. There's just one catch. Make plays, not friends. You can make friends off the field. I I, I think Zayvon Collins has a spot on an NFL roster. I don't think you can sit there and name 2,500 human beings on planet Earth that are better football players right now, right at this second, than Zayvon Collins. He belongs on an NFL roster. But a starting outside linebacker on a competitive team? My opinion is no way. So when we hear Nick Rollis talk, I don't really have a problem at all him saying, hey, I knew it immediately. We needed to move him. Uh, he bought in. The whole staff agreed. Every, it was a joint decision. He's doing this. He, we, we make him do all these things. He's doing coverage. He's rushing. He's this. Okay, I, I get all that. But the fact is your team is so ill-talented that he just happens to be one of the most talented 53 people on the roster. But if we're really looking to upgrade, that's got to be a position. To me, it's a tie. The number one position overall of upgrading is if I could just blanketly say hitting the other team's quarterback. And there's two ways to hit the other team's quarterback more often. Okay, Get better pass rushers or get better people to cover the receivers so the quarterback has to hold on to the football. I don't care which one you go at. I think they've got wonderful safeties. I think they're the one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in all of football, at coverage. You know what? Let me cheat because I, I, I just threw something out, and I have no idea if it's true, so let me look it up. And that is the, what my favorite stat in the NFL that I've told you about before, and that is uh, opponent average passer rating. What that means is you, you've heard the passer rating stat, and I don't mean QBR, a cheesy self-driven stat by ESPN. Actual passer rating. And you know 100 is is really good, okay? If you're over a 100 passer for your career, you're there's a 99% chance you're going to the Hall of Fame. But there's also defensive passer rating. How good do you make the other team's quarterback, all right? So without looking, or I should say I am looking, but without preparing, uh, who would you say is the best defense in the NFL? Jeff, your production, do you have a guess at all? Who do you think the best
4: defense is in the NFL? 49ers.
1: Oh, pretty good guess. Um, Let me see. Uh, San Francisco is actually number four in the stat I'm about to give you. That is the passer rating of the quarterback when they play you. San Francisco is at 78.8. I have to admit, I win. I would have guessed Cleveland because they just blow me away how good Cleveland is. And they're number one. They're at 72.7. But I can't get too much credit because they're only three-tenths of a point better than Baltimore. And Baltimore's at 73, and never in a million years would I have guessed. I don't know anything about the Saints, I admit it. But the Saints' defense is number three in this stat, 78.5. So that's the passer rating when you play those teams. Let's take a guess where Arizona is. Without looking, I'm going to guess 31. I really believe they're 32, but I just want to throw out 31 just in case. Here we go. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, do you have a guess? Where are they in the ranking of – defensive passer rating
4: 27 oh okay let's see
1: 31 <laughs> they uh washington is worse i'm a washington fan <laughs> yeah. uh arizona's at 103 that means basically when you play arizona's defense your quarterback is a hall of famer it doesn't matter who you have They're going to put up Hall of Fame numbers against that defense. That's how bad the Cardinals' defense is. And nobody wants to talk about that, but that's, to me, better. I don't care about yards because if you give up 60, 70 yards a drive and you're holding people to field goals, that's not the end of the world. And if your offense is terrible, you could be giving up short yardage touchdowns a lot. I don't care about yards, and I don't even like it when they talk about points because I don't know how did that team score those points. This There's two stats, I would say three stats defensively I like. I like yards per attempt rushing against. What that means is when they rush the football, on average, how many yards do they get against you? I like DVOA, which is a brilliant stat. Which actually gives you negative points for every yard you give up, but every yard is not equal to every other yard. And you might be going, What do you mean? A yard is three feet, right? Yes, but I don't. What I mean is, if it's third and 11 and you run a draw and get two yards, then those yards are basically considered worthless by this stat. You still forced a fourth and nine, the defense was fantastic. However, if it's third and one and you give up two yards, those two yards are a lot. I don't know why I think two yards is is that little. Um, But those two yards, that's gold in your hand. Those were two vital yards and your defense failed miserably. But it's still the same concept. It's still six feet. So that's DVOA, and I like that stat. And then I told you I love this stat, defensive passer rating. So back to the point. If you aren't doing a better job rushing the passer or covering the other team's guys, you're atrocious. And this is not only the second worst team in the league, but basically turning average quarterbacks into Hall of Famers. This defense is so bad. So I want want a better interior offensive line. I want another wide receiver. Uh, I wouldn't mind another time. I'm kind of done with DJ Humphreys. I'm I'm interested in that. You know me. I'm done with Kyler Murray. We'll get to that conversation in a second. But when you look at this draft, I'm not going to say it's the strength because the strength of this draft is wide receiver. But I'm looking at this draft thinking, you better get out of this draft being able to hit a quarterback. And that either means pass rusher, coverage, or both. Okay? So that's that's – a huge thing and Zayvon Collins just isn't good enough if you're really really competing so no it's not all Zavin's fault that they have a 103 defensive passer rating against but when I hear the defensive coordinator telling me how good of a job Zavin's doing I put that in the category of he's doing a good job based on his talent and based on how you feel about the young man but if we're really getting serious as a talent evaluator it has to about whether or not Zayvon Collins is a starting outside linebacker on a playoff team. Hell no. Sorry. I don't usually talk like that, but I mean, just boom. Let, let's let's put it right there. Sorry, Zayvon, Mr. and Mrs. Collins, if you're listening to me talk about your son. All right, last one. Give us a little rundown, Nick Rollis, on uh, Seattle and what you expect to see from the Seahawks' offense in game number 17.
2: No, I mean, they're running the same offense. They've had some injuries along the way. Um, you know, Gino was out for a couple games, but uh, similar, very similar offense. Um, you know, good offense, a lot of good skilled players. Uh, they're able to run the ball. The back is phenomenal. Um, he's one of the best runners, I think, in this league. His ability to make cut is pace patient. He can make cuts on a dime. And then, like when he when he has time to go, he is going to run through you. Um, so you got to go do a good job with keeping a cup on him, getting around his hamstring, tackling him, um, because he can create explosives in the run game. So very similar offense from the first time around. Obviously, everyone changes, and you know there's some subtle subtlety differences, but yeah, overall pretty pretty similar.
4: Keeping a cup on him does that mean just keep it staying square with him or something?
1: Kind of. It's almost like this is going to sound funny. Take a cup, put it upside down, and just keeping him in the pocket. Uh. So it means a lot about your rush lanes. So what can happen is, and honestly, there was a great breakdown by Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears last night on NFL Live in which they were talking about the problems of the Eagles. I was kind of watching it to see if they would say anything about the Cardinals, and they just used the Cardinals as an example of, this is how bad the Eagles are because they lost to the lowly Cardinals. But still, it was a great breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. And they were explaining the selfishness of the Eagles, that people are getting out of their rush lanes, or getting out of the team concept of defense, because you want to sack. You want to tackle for loss. You're doing things that are high risk, high reward. Board as a player but you're losing your responsibilities while you do it and that that's an interesting discussion why because Jonathan Gannon used to be the defensive coordinator of the Eagles and that conversation was not happening last year so I don't want to say it's a feather in your cap when somebody gets worse when you leave but it's a feather in your cap when somebody gets worse when you leave so that's a, a positive for Jonathan Gannon okay So with that, that shows you defensively they really feel the need, if it's Geno Smith, to make sure they keep him where he is. So that usually limits your amount of sacks, but it also limits the damage that can be done with Geno Smith's legs. We'll see how that actually plays out. Let's flip it over to Drew Petzing, and it'll lead us into a major conversation of what was said by um, the head coach yesterday on a radio interview. Let's start things off with the conversation about Michael Wilson, a little bit of Kyler, but mostly Michael Wilson. You're a young receiver. You're involved in a pick six, whoever's fault it was. Still haven't found out whose fault it was, but I'm getting more and more of secret code that it was Michael Wilson. And, and therefore, what did you need to do to, or what did you see from him and how he bounced back after the pick six?
5: It's easy I mean he's the type of guy That moves on quickly Like hey we make mistakes He made a mistake I make mistakes Like that's on me As much as on anyone Any, Anytime we do something Like that on offense That falls on coaches first So um, you know, just hey move on We got a big game to play We're very much in this game We got a lot of time left Like let's go play the next play And not worry about it And I think him And I really think That whole offense Did a great job of doing that And not you know Flushing it And worrying about the next play
1: Jeff we're Production If there's anything We've learned In the politically correct society That we live in In 2024 now don't forget, it's 2024. I would think you agree with me. Never make a comment on somebody else's appearance. I mean, that's when you get into trouble, right? Don't make a... Do you agree with that? That if you want to kind of stay out of trouble when it comes to having a microphone, don't say something about someone's appearance. Do you agree? Uh, somewhat, yes. Doesn't it seem like that no matter what, Drew Petzing's brain is bigger than ours?
4: <laughs> he even appears that I, way. I mean, I, I hate to tell you talking about appearance he just appears i i I know that this is terrible i mean okay
1: i'm a a horrible human being because if there's a gorgeous woman talking i'm thinking wow there's a gorgeous woman and i'm i am listening but wow you're a gorgeous woman
4: um cutting up a lot of his uh sound though i I do notice he uses certainly pleased and absolutely yes that's true those three words
1: that's true i just am saying i know he's a smart dude but it just looks like his brain is huge I don't know if it's just the bald head, but it looks like the back of his head goes back further than the back of my head does.
4: Like the Mega Mind guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's exactly what I think when I when I look at it. So sometimes it takes me like I have to listen to him two or three times sometimes because I just find myself staring at him like he's some kind of Discovery Channel uh, uh, study subject. Um, okay, next is. Uh, what are you looking at? How excited are you in the offseason to maybe expand the playbook, get to things that you haven't been able to install yet? I thought this was a really good answer.
5: I don't think it does cross my mind strictly because you just, the roster in the NFL, injuries in the NFL, there's, you just never know where you're going to be, who you're going to be playing against, and how you want to go do that. So, um, no, I think, we, we, you know, anytime we go into a game, we're going to do everything we can to win that game at all costs, uh, scheme and personnel, you know. Obviously, play into that. So, uh, I don't feel like there's anything. Hey, we've been holding this back or not doing that. No, the,
1: the reason why I like it is it's simple. Hey, you know, with the roster getting healthier and another year of Michael Wilson, Kyler having an entire offseason where he's not rehabbing. Are you excited about this? And he goes, Listen, <laughs> we look at what we have that week and what do we need to do to beat that team? So, that's, I'm, I'm not, no, I don't hold something back. That's a great answer, but it better not be true. <laughs> because then where are you going to improve? I mean, that's the whole reason why teams struggle when they're changing offensive systems, offensive coordinators all the time. You you want to be able to expand the offense and to be able to run more things efficiently with less practice time so you can get to other things. I thought it was a great answer, but I hope he's just kind of you know throwing crap on the wall a little bit. Uh, We talked about this last week. Kyler Murray did not practice in two of the major install days, Wednesday and Thursday last week. So how did you handle that? Did you feel good about Kyler's prep going into the week? How did you prepare a sick Kyler Murray to beat Philly?
5: Yeah, I, I think certainly, you know, the first time you watch a guy, hey, you know he's going to miss Wednesday or Thursday potentially because of the sickness. It's always like, oh, well, haven't been through this, and we got to make sure we do everything to in our power to make sure that he's ready. I thought Israel did a great job, and Kyler did a great job of, hey, can you jump on Zoom for an hour so we can go through the base game plan, watch a little tape. I know you're not feeling well, and you can't come in the building, but can we get you on, you know, just watch a little tape, make sure you know the reads, make sure you know the footwork uh, on Wednesday. You know, similar on Thursday, so that it felt like, even though maybe he didn't get the physical reps, he did have the mental reps and the conversations about what we're thinking, what he's seeing, how those things go together. So it was great to see kind of that effort and involvement come to fruition on Sunday with the performance.
1: There's two really good opinions about Kyler's performance. You know, I brought up yesterday just the simple basics of the game that he screwed up on, on an illegal shift penalty. I do think it was mostly Michael Wilson's fault on the pick six, but I do look at Kyler and say, where did you want him to go? I mean, you the way you threw it I thought he should have sat down he didn't sit down so you wanted him to do the post or the corner and neither were really open so what were you seeing why did you throw it there I I think Wilson did run the wrong route but other than saying if he came back and said I thought for sure we had a great one-on-one and a mismatch and Wilson was going to win that mismatch and that's why he threw it. I still think your read should have been somewhere else, but okay, you know I understand. You know, having a good player try to make a play, I get that. But I want you to take that comment that you heard right there, with him talking about the reads and the work Kyler put in last week, and then hear this last one before we start talking about Kyler. This is Drew Petzing when asked about evaluating the offense overall, and I like it because number one, he was acting like, hey, the season's not over but here's what I
3: think.
5: Yeah, sure, that's good, question. I mean, some we've hit on, I think, week to week over the last, you know, the course of the season, and I think he's done a really nice job. I know we've spoken at length about kind of how he's handled things and, and coming off the injury and playing late in the season and been really pleased with that. I think, as we all know, there's things we need to grow on, things he needs to grow on, so I think that's going to be the focus. Kind of like we talk about every week, and now just put it in the big picture. It's like, hey, here's what we did well. Here's what you did well. Here's what I did well. And here's where you, me, and all of us need to improve to get where we want to go next season. I don't think that mindset's going to change very much. Um, So happy with where it is, but certainly, you know, we have a long way to go as well.
1: Okay, put those two together, and now let's talk about what happened yesterday. KMVP is a local radio station. You might be familiar with it a little bit. And they have a conversation with the head coach once a week that is part of their contractual agreement to carry the Cardinals game. So they have to have them on. And then trust me, there are meetings sometimes about what you're allowed to ask, what you're not allowed to ask. And then people that care about their reputation argue about whether or not you're allowed to ask questions. Or, hey, you tell them, I'm going to ask this question. You deal with trying to figure out a way to smooth it over after somebody gets mad. I'm just speculating that that might happen in preparation for these interviews. Well, in the interview that happened with Jonathan Gannon yesterday, it was a good question. Is there any, uh, uh, you know, what are your plans going forward? Is Kyler Murray a franchise quarterback? Got the standard answer of how much he likes Kyler Murray. Kyler, definitely a franchise quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And then the follow-up was, do you have any doubt in your mind that he's the quarterback for next year? And Jonathan Gannon said, no, no doubt. He's the quarterback next year. I thought that was important because, as I have been saying for quite a while, there's two schools of thought. There's, well, I mean, at least for me, there's two schools of thought. There's what I think will happen and what I think should happen. And those are two different things. I feel like you're always building towards winning a Super Bowl, and therefore I don't think Kyler Murray is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. I would move on from Kyler. However, I understand the salary cap ramifications of what I just said are horribly gripping. I mean terrible. And normally that would be a bad de- – like if I'm general manager, that's normally a bad decision to take this big of a cap hit. You can do it after 2024. 2024. And there's a sound argument to be made financially to say, hey, this team is so far off that it's not like we're going to draft a 2024 quarterback or take a cap hit that big and then sign a free agent quarterback that's going to come in here and lead a 2024 team to a Super Bowl or even to a playoff berth. It's so out there. Why, why not? Just let Kyler play. I, I really can't argue that point. Where I would argue with you is if you do believe Kyler Murray's a franchise quarterback. I, I don't. And you're not, you know, you're, you're of course it's, you're entitled to your opinion. We would disagree on it. But there's a difference. Do you, do you see the subtle difference there? There's three schools of thought. One, he's a franchise quarterback that's going to lead this team to a Super Bowl. Just give him some talent. Two... He's not a franchise quarterback, but with that salary cap hit and how bad the team is, it's dumb to cut him. And three, just cut him. Just trade him. Just get, get him out because what, what are you really building as long as he's here? I'm in group three. I think logical people are in group two. <laughs> and I, I'm calling myself illogical. And then there's group one that says, oh, he's the guy. He's the guy. And it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out based on what Jonathan Gannon just said. The city of Philadelphia thinks Jonathan Gannon's a liar. They've gone through, like different radio shows have gone through comments of Jonathan Gannon when he first became the head coach and applied them to the stats of the Philadelphia Eagles and blasted him. Then there is how he became the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, which clearly is either a lie or a complete dereliction of duty. All right. Either the Arizona Cardinals followed the rules and never really had a true interview with Jonathan Gannon until after the Super Bowl, and then it's like, what are you doing? You hired a guy based on one Monday lunch and said, okay, you're the guy tomorrow? That's, I mean, that's reckless. Or you were talking to him when you weren't allowed to talk to him. It's one or the other. So either way, you can see why Philadelphia is upset about it. So they don't trust anything Jonathan Gannon says. I think Philly needs to get over itself a little bit, but it is interesting to see, okay, how does this comment play into the future of Kyler Murray when he says he is our quarterback in 2024? Is he standing up and saying, that's it? I mean it? And therefore the conversation's over? Or is this just what you say now because you don't want the conversation to continue? just like with the strange situation they had with Josh Dobbs when they said, you're not our starter, you are playing, you're not being traded, you are traded. Okay, what? What? Is there any difference between Dobbs and Kyler Murray? I'm not talking about the quarterback. I'm talking about the words that Gannon uses about the quarterback. So we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll learn a lot about Jonathan Gannon in the offseason if they do move on from Kyler because the obvious question is, why did you say he was the guy? And then he'll say, well, at the time he was. And I still believe in Kyler Murray. But we had a great opportunity. We had to move on. All right. Now we know you're kind of in the things you say. Or he stands up for what he said. And Kyler Murray's 100% the guy. And why are we even talking about it? Because Yahoo's like me keep bringing it up. All right. Coming up next. I want to cram in a little Coyotes. And I want to talk with a guy that knows the Coyotes in Steve McCollum to get into the main event. And last night, ouch. Ouch. And listen, you're going to lose games. But... Scoring on yourself and getting that tie score and then laying the egg? And that was a real team you played last night? That would hurt. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com.
3: Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family my brother and I were older teens 17 18 year old and I'm gonna do a trial out of my house so literally we decided we're gonna start out of his house so we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa Arizona and after about a month he said let's do this went and found his first location and believe it or not that's how it started we started with one location back in 1995 now we're where we are now
1: rosati sports pub in chandler it's on ray and mcqueen sounds like a sports bar what's the difference You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. I assume you did not wake up this morning and say, Doug, how did the Edmonton Oilers do last night? I I realize that, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, They won, Seattle won Monday, so both teams are at 39 points in the race for the last playoff spot. I only give that to you to give you context. We've got four months till this matters, okay? Thousands of things are going to happen going into the next four months plus a trade deadline when you assume some of the other teams are going to improve but right now the coyotes have a one point lead on two different teams for the last playoff spot and nashville won last night so they're three points back of kind of giving themselves a buffer zone by being the best there's two wild card spots right now the coyotes have number two they look Pretty poor last night in the in the third period. We're terrible in the first two periods. It's one nothing. They score early in the third, and then just absolutely fell apart. Here's Andre Turini talking about the game last night.
0: We were in it after two, obviously, and just by the score, by the way we played, scoring chance, shot, everything. I think in the third we got emotional and we had a tough time to stay focused and keep our composure and stay with it. I did not like our mindset with the puck in the third. I did not like our sustained pressure, uh, but they score a big goal. They're, they're, they're a really good team. They score a, a big goal of their power play and that, uh, that hurt And right away after we scored our own. one that so, won't well, lie. That one sucked the energy out of us a little bit, uh, but that those are the kind of thing that happened. It's just, you know, it could have happened to any of our player. It's not a blame on anybody. It's just, it just did happen. And like I said, I did not like the way we bounce back from it uh if i look at that game there's a lot of positive a lot of stuff we uh we can learn off the they're a different team they're they're different breed than a lot of team they play with a lot of pace they they forecheck a lot they um they have really good stick and they create a lot of turnover and they play you need to think extremely quick to play against them and i think that was uh we'll put that in the experience for us we need to learn from it
1: the thing I, I I liked about it is, okay, they talked about getting emotional and they very much did. That was a bad high sticking penalty on O'Brien. Not bad as in bad call. I just mean emotional. The game got really really chippy with a couple hits and uh, and but then you get a game misconduct. Now you give up the power play goal, and then almost, not right after, but pretty soon after, you basically scored an own goal, and now you're down 3-1. It's like, what just happened here? We just had the emotion of tying it, but that gets back into not getting the job done sooner, and then it's just the way they melted down, and then they've shown great tenacity in coming back and didn't last night at well I should not say they didn't they did to tie it one-to-one but then after when it was just stupidity that leads to a loss that's just not something you normally see I'm not flipping out because okay this hasn't happened a lot but it's something to talk about and uh, somebody who really follows the Coyotes a lot closer is Steve McCullum, who joins us right now the main events coming up today at, um, at uh, 8 o'clock. He's on from 8 to 10 every weekday morning, and then iOS, Izzy on Sports follows him. Steve, how's life? Good. What'd you see last night from the Yotes?
3: Uh, I saw them get out physical in the uh, Ooh, third yeah. period, and uh, to the point where then they responded to the physicality, which I liked, uh, Zuger did, uh, but enjoy his suspension coming up. <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. We got all that video coming up on the main event. But uh, out-physicaled, which you don't see a Coyotes team get out-physicaled. Uh, but that, let's face it, that's what Florida does, man. That's how they made it to the finals last year. They take you out of your game. They beat you up, and your job is to not respond and they did not do a good enough job of their dirt, not responding to their dirty hits. I,
1: I I like that breakdown, breakdown, breakdown right there because that the the Zucker hit was like. I mean, you talk about smashing well, your face into the boards. Yeah, I mean,
3: it was a cheap shot. Uh, the Florida guy did a cheap shot on the Coyotes guy, and then Zuger responded to it uh, with with an even bigger cheap shot. Yeah, into the boards, basically knocked him out. Right?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then he came back in.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, welcome to hockey. Well, that, I mean, that is. Yeah. That, oh, I'm missing a couple teeth. All right. I is, need stitches. All right. That is uh, a. <laughs> that is
1: amazing. But it was yeah, it was back to back bad unprofessional hits. I yes. get it. Crap happens yes. but i that's where i was I, that's why i liked what terini just said mm-hmm. a second ago of to me it was more that is dumb but that didn't get it was the O'Brien high stick which is just okay you can't I mean what are you how do you think you're gonna get away with that but
3: that's where Florida does to you though they get you out of your game and that's why the Knights beat them in the finals and nobody else could last year was the Knights didn't respond to their hijinks and actually Florida kept getting kicked out of games uh, and their best players kept getting kicked out trying to instigate and when you instigate back they take you out of the game that's where the high sticking stuff gets in just the lack of focus comes in and the coyotes fell victim to that and uh it's a learning situation for them but at the same time they have enough veterans on this team to not do that
1: yeah how do you how do you rate the when if you look at yeah. each goal that was scored yeah I don't know how you blame him for any of them. Yeah. yeah I mean that that uh, that sh- that that sharp angle tip in, he's got to guard the near post. Well,
3: you can't stop those. That's the, why they yep. that's why they that they're unstoppable. Absolutely.
1: The, the uh, second one is a turnover right in front of yeah. your own net. The yeah. third one is an own goal. You don't expect your guy to shoot, and I don't know if any goalie's ever been blamed for an empty netter. <laughs> so, I mean, no, there's no. there's the four goals that were but, scored yet at the same time. They scored four goals.
3: Yeah, but I mean, three of them. Three of them. You could say we're on him. The four own goals don't. I mean, they count against yep. the goalie, but they don't. You don't yep. hold that against yep. them. But um, look, I mean, that's that's how things break in hockey. Goaltending, if you don't know, is all about angles. That's all it is. that like Sean Burke, of course. Ex Coyote was a coach here for a bunch of years, and uh, I think he's in Boston now or something. But. Um, I I had a big meeting with him one time where uh, he was just explaining goaltending to me. And I was just like, God, it's so simple. I'm like, why don't they stop more? And then he's like, well, it's a lot of focus, and, you're, you know, you got to yeah. focus on it. But, you, it's all one guy will just skate right in front of the puck, and then the puck's on you, you know, and stuff like that. It was the most fascinating conversation. I learned a lot of that in terms of goaltending. Uh, so, yeah, they weren't his thing, but at the same time, goalies are expected to stop it. And uh, the other side is uh, like Ingram's the better goalie, and he has to tap breaks. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then they got to um coming up tomorrow they take on the islanders who are the eastern conference is like a lot not a ton but a little bit better i'm only going by points yes a little bit better than the western conference but the islanders are a little bit ahead of the, the coyotes the, but they're they're about even
3: the difference with the eastern teams is they're a lot more physical a lot more skilled out there than you are out here in the west so a lot more puck movement uh a lot more – got to be careful for that quick one-timer shot on the East Coast, which you don't see a lot on the West for some reason. It's a, mm. it's a definite absolute style difference between these teams uh, and a lot more physical in the East as well, which you saw last night with Florida. So, uh, I mean, these teams are being built to go up against the Bostons, the Floridas, and that physicality. And uh, the, the Coyotes uh, just don't match. Doesn't mean they won't win. It's just they right. don't match up well with that. You know?
1: No Kevin Durant tonight. Yeah. So you you still have another game. I realize it's not like you're playing the Clippers every day. But <laughs> I I really it's only January, yes. but I wanted to see a Beal Booker Durant Versus the two studs of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard of the Clippers, mm. and finally see the five guys on the court.
3: James be- Harden's better than those two guys right now, the
1: way Harden's been yeah. playing. Uh, th- I never get worried about a Harden, though, and here's why. Well, I am worried about him now, but at some point he'll melt down. The question well, is when.
3: I don't disagree <laughs> but uh he 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 might be the best player on that Clippers team right now. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, I hate saying that. I really yeah.
1: want to argue with you on that <laughs> one, but I you have you have you have a lot more facts on your side than I do right now. It's just yeah. it's it's hard to take that he, he's won again. Yeah. He's gotten over on another NBA team again, and eventually it'll be the Clippers' yeah, fault for it, whatever it, happens. It'll be the
3: first round of the playoffs is where they'll go stuttering out, right? But um, you know, I don't disagree. You want to see all three of them, but at the same time, you want to see them. Durant has a lot of time on his legs this month. So yeah, while does. Bill's yeah, healthy, he while Booker's healthy, sit him out. It's not a big deal in my opinion. Uh, you know, And the Coyotes, uh, the Suns has got some wins under their belt, and now they're going to a bigger stretch. Get him ready for this back half of this uh, road trip here where you Miami and those guys uh, with the, with a few back to backs, get them ready for that, man.
1: I was saying, I was talking a little NFL draft today, and I I, I was saying the number one need for the Cardinals is just hit the quarterback. Yeah, but defense, I don't so. I don't care where it's whether it's your corners that you're trying to cover guys longer mm-hmm. or whether you're getting guys that are better pass rushers. But if you had to say. Your number one need yep. going in.
3: Defensive line. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't matter how much your cornerback's your saying, this defensive line cannot get to a quarterback even if you give them uh, 72 hours of holding the ball. They won't get there. <laughs> you know, occasionally they will, but uh, for the most part, they will not get there. You need a defensive line stud on this team. That's why That's why the whole draft thing where everybody's like, oh my God, we're not going to get married. Look, you need a big receiver. No doubt about right, it. Right. You need a big receiver. But to me man this should be a defensive draft.
1: And there are a lot of receivers so you can yeah. get a good one, yeah. you can get a good one later. Now, I have totally flipped and I I would if I if you don't mind throwing out a topic at anybody that you have on your show today that actually played in the NFL, it might be kind of interesting to hear his thing. I would get run out run into the ground if I ever had a debate with the best of all time. Because I actually think if I had the number one pick in the all time NFL draft, I admit I'd probably take Brady because I do care about quarterback. Mm. But I, I actually would take Aaron Donald over Lawrence Taylor. And I realize yeah. that that's, you're sac- drunk. that's sacrilegious. Nah, you're yes. drunk, yeah. And I think it's more of the position of, and I have flipped on this, I admit. It used to be outside, pass rush, blindside, get around the left, tackle, blah, blah, blah. And I think an Aaron Donald, the three technique, they they wreck so much more havoc.
3: Just pure power is what you're saying? Yeah, Yeah. and so
1: I say now I look at the Cardinals. Yeah, if you could draft Lawrence Taylor, he still might be better than the people you have now. But I I would love to hopefully find them get that piece first. Not that you're going to – if the best three technique – Is a third-round guy, fine. Don't draft him in the first round because of need. But I think that's a huge bonus if they can do that first.
3: Well, I agree. Uh, Any Georgia defensive lineman that's available to you uh, in the lower first round, whatever that second draft pick's going to be, take him. uh, And he's going to be better than what you got, right? Uh, (laughs) Speed and physicality. Uh, But, too, the problem with going Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Darnold is – Lawrence Taylor will still work in the league today, but you got to remember he changed the game. Linebackers didn't do that then, so uh, he would still work today, but it wouldn't be as effective because you kind of there aren't guys that do that. Uh, We've seen that already, right? Good debate. Whereas Aaron Donald is just pure power and muscle. So, uh, but yeah, any Georgia guy, get him.
1: A good talk show host would have brought that subject up a lot sooner because that was a. Good conversation between Steve and I. And I just ran him right into the music. My bad. Hopefully, uh, Steve and Dale talk about that a little bit today coming up on the main event. They're on from 8 to 10. Izzy will follow iOS. Izzy on sports from 10 to noon. Only TV station in Phoenix, in Maricopa County, in the state of Arizona, that gives you six hours of local sports programming every weekday morning. It's WTSMTV.com. Uh of embarrassed myself a little bit on versus vegas yesterday really frustrated by this and i and uh charlotte did it to me twice charlotte charlotte did it to me twice i said charlotte would not cover the 15 and a half points against the suns i said the suns are gonna run them off the face of the earth and The backups for the Suns gave up 30 points in the fourth quarter. So Charlotte ends up, granted, the Suns beat them. But the 15 and a half spread, Suns win by 14. Suns win, I lose. Now it's back end of a back-to-back. Charlotte going to Sacramento. Okay, Kings are good. I think they're actually better than the Suns right now. I don't think they will be if they meet in the playoffs. But right now, I think the Kings are better than the Suns. So the Kings get Charlotte on the back end of a back-to-back and they've got the same 15 and a half point spread to cover. There's no way Charlotte is gonna be able to handle that twice, two good teams back-to-back. The Sacramento Kings did not cover because they did not win. Charlotte embarrassed my family with a 111-104 win. What is that trash? That would, that, that would hurt. That's just, that's just embarrassing. Sometimes you feel like you should lose two games just as punishment. I told you Colorado would handle the New York Islanders. I had no doubt about that game. I didn't say the magic words. I love it. But I had no doubt about it that they would win by two and cover the puck line. Colorado only paid the money line, which was a very, very high juice bet. I didn't touch the money line. I was on minus one and a half. Colorado won in overtime. Uh, that's that's frustrating. That is frustrating. Colorado wins. They don't cover. I lose. And then the one game I did get right, I liked Boston uh, on the road to cover. Had good juice on that one against the Blue Jackets. So that kind of saved my butt. I still lost for the day, but wasn't as bad as the record with the good juice on Boston. But the, even that game was a little hairy. It was, I think, one-to-one in the third, Bruins and Blue Jackets. And yet I still was able to pull out. I say I. The Bruins didn't have anything to do with it. So Bruins went 4-1. to one. I go 1-2 and two yesterday. And uh, so now I'm at 1066, 974, and 8 overall. Still well above juice-wise, so you've got positive units with me. But I'm not above the magical number of 53%. There are a lot of games today that fit my formula But I don't like the juice or I don't like the spread, one or the other, in which I like betting against a team on the back end of the back-to-back. I'm actually going against my own theory in one of my games. I got the Brooklyn Nets plus five on the road at Houston. Now usually that goes against everything I stand for. Brooklyn played at New Orleans last night and they're a little banged up and then now they play Houston tonight. But the reason why I'm going with Brooklyn number one, I get five points. Number two, Brooklyn got run out of the gym yesterday. and a lot of times an NBA team, when you have a nice uh, when you have an opponent that's young like Houston, and they're playing a team that's got some good veterans on it that got embarrassed the night before. The good, the the young team looks at the score from the night before and gets overconfident. The veteran team gets upset about what just happened and they're going to make good. Plus, I'm getting a good, sizable total of points. I, I think you might even think about taking Brooklyn to win, but I'm being a wuss and I'm taking the points. And then the other situation is kind of similar playing off a young team. I'm gonna take Atlanta, who's not good, plus the two, at home against Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's the second best team in the West record-wise. Oklahoma just played at home last night and beat the Celtics. When you're Oklahoma City and you get a win like that, you are about as sky-high as you could get the press in Oklahoma City is going nuts. The rebuild is over. The young guys are playing great. Everybody gets giddy. And now you're playing a team that's, what, four, five, six games below 500. That is the exact recipe of an overconfident team that happens so often in sports. Now you're on the back end. Of, like The flight from Oklahoma City to Atlanta is not terrible, but it's not like a 45-minute puddle jumper either. This is the type of game where you're not prepared for it and you get somebody to take your knees out. And I'm getting points with the Hawks. I'll take Atlanta plus the two. So I got two underdogs, one road dog, one home dog, Brooklyn on the road plus five, Atlanta on the road plus two, or Atlanta at home plus two. But one last thing about this game. If Oklahoma City smashes Atlanta, don't be impressed with the win talent-wise. But be, it's time to take Oklahoma City for real when it comes to their mentality. For a young team to get a big win like that against Boston and come right back and have the professionalism to beat a team that's weaker than they are on the road, that there's actually something there. And I never thought we'd be talking about Oklahoma City. But that's, that's impressive. Doesn't make a young team ready to compete in the playoffs. But it makes a young team ready to get to the playoffs. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Unplugged at whirlwind.com website if you're interested in saving a ton of money and getting yourself on the Whirlwind Plus plan. And you can go monthly for only $34 a month, or you can go for the year at $299. And I guarantee you it's like a season pass to an amusement park and you will save greatly by about the third or fourth time you golf. So if you plan on golfing once every three months at a premier course, hey, get this plan and you save money. It's a great idea. Bell's Nashville Kitchen, original sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged, home of the best sandwich in all of Arizona. The Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. Rosati's is the official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged. DP side, only the one at Chandler. 100 Mile Brewing Company in Tempe. Rural Scottsdale on the 202. Best beer in Arizona. That's A Mountain Amber Ale. And any issues with your heating, cooling, plumbing, or electrical, call Parker and Sons. Main events up next. I'll see you tomorrow.